So we just finished the book of Genesis, and we followed a couple different characters. We followed Abraham, followed Isaac, we followed Jacob, we followed Rebecca, and we followed a couple different characters in that book, and we ended talking about Joseph. And the book ended, and Joseph had brought his entire family, all of his relatives, all of the descendants of Abraham, all of the Israelites. Everybody say Israelites. Now, the Israelites are all of the descendants of a man named Abraham. So all of the Israelite people uh, were living in the land now of Egypt. And so they were living in the land of Egypt, and God had promised them, however, that one day they would have their own nation, and one day they would be uh, very fruitful, and there would be a ton of them. There would be millions and millions of these people. But right now, there's only about 70 or 90 of them, okay? So they come, and they're living in Egypt with Joseph. So that's where the book of Genesis ends, okay? So now we're going to fast forward a little bit, a couple hundred years to the beginning of the book of Exodus. So remember when we fast forward in time, we do this thing where we go... Okay, so what I'm going to do is, though, because we're going forward in time like a couple hundred years, I'm going to point to you, and you're going to go... You're going to hold it until I go like that, okay? Because we're showing we're going forward in time a lot, okay? So, take a big breath. No, you went too far in time, guys. You went forward in time too far, okay? Try again. One, two, three. Okay, you're just in the future. Just stop. All right, so moving forward. So now what has happened is we're a couple hundred years in the future, and here's what's taking place. Um, the Israelites, which just started with a couple dozen people, have now multiplied into a people group where there are literally thousands and thousands of descendants, literally now over two million people. Everybody go, wow. Over two million Israelites now live in Egypt. So what's taken place is over the years, they've just multiplied and multiplied, and the family has grown and grown and grown. And they've grown so much now that people have forgotten about um, Joseph. They've forgotten about Jacob. And Pharaoh looks at this group, this new Pharaoh, this new king, looks at these Israelites as a threat. He goes, man, these, these immigrants that once came here, they've grown so much, and I'm afraid of them because they might take over Egypt. So in order to keep them from taking over Egypt and in order to keep them from continuing to grow, what we're going to do is we're going to enslave these people. So he enslaves the Israelites and he forces them to build cities, to build pyramids, and to be forced labor labor and to be slaves. So it's a terrible, terrible thing. So he enslaves the entire Israelite people, trying to get them to not grow. But yet the Lord continues to bless them and they keep growing. So Taking another measure, Pharaoh does something terrible. Everybody say, oh no. He does something terrible. What he does is, he goes, all right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the, the firstborn son, the baby boy, of every uh, family that is Israelite. And I'm going to take their child, and I'm going to have their baby boys thrown into the Nile River and killed. I'm literally going to kill all of their baby boys to kill off a generation of men so that they will not continue to grow out of control. It's a terrible, terrible thing that he does. And it's something that is truly painful. And yet God saves one baby boy out of that generation that we know of. He saves a boy named Moses. Everybody say Moses. He saves Moses. Now you might have heard of the story of Moses. The mother of this baby boy, Moses, 
takes this baby, puts him in a basket, floats him into the river of the Nile, and prays. And as the basket floats down the river, it isn't swallowed up by an alligator. It makes it down the river into the hands of none other than the princess of Egypt, Pharaoh's own daughter, who gets this basket, finds this baby, and a little uh, Israelite baby, and goes, I'm going to adopt this baby. And Moses becomes a prince of Egypt. And there's even a movie called Prince of Egypt, which maybe you've seen. So there's a movie even made about it. So Moses now, this Israelite boy, is grown up and becomes a prince in the palace of Pharaoh. Now Pharaoh has a lot of different princes, and there are a lot of different sons that Pharaoh has, but he grows up. So he has kind of a foot in one uh, life, which is, I'm an Egyptian, I'm growing up in this Egyptian lifestyle, I know what that's like, but he also has a foot in another life, which is, he's an Israelite, and his people are being persecuted and a slave, and so he must have felt conflicted his whole life, and we see this confliction reach a pivotal moment when he watches one of his own countrymen, one of his own blood, an Israelite, being beaten up by a slave master. And he's so conflicted and so angry that he rushes at the slave master and he beats him up and he kills the slave master. He kills him on the spot and murders him. And he's afraid that he might get caught for what he has done the next day and the days after. So he runs away from Egypt years later. So he runs away into the wilderness as an adult. And he runs off in the wilderness and hides. And so he starts a new life. He becomes a shepherd. He gets married. And he thinks nothing of his life in Egypt. He wanders the desert with a bunch of sheep and a staff, clothed not in his royal you know, um, clothing as he would be as a prince of Egypt, but he wanders dressed as a shepherd, not thinking as much about his life. And then something amazing happens. God intervenes. God steps in to his life, and says, I'm not done with you, Moses. In fact, I'm just getting started with your story. All of these people, these two million people in slavery, and you, a shepherd in obscurity, hiding in the wilderness, I'm putting you on a collision course, and I'm going to use you for something amazing. So let's pick up here in the story in Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. It says this, One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock near the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of the bush. Moses stared in amazement. The bush was engulfed in flames and it did not burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't the bush burning up? I must go see it. Pause here for a second. Now, I don't know about you guys, uh, but for me, I find fire mesmerizing. Like, it is literally the coolest thing. Like, I just sit around a campfire, and I'm like, whoa, it glows, and it burns. And every time I see fire, I just think, bigger, more, more burn. Like, I want more stuff, bigger, bigger. And I keep thinking bigger until I'm like, oh, no, put it out, put it out. And then, you know, it catches stuff on fire, and then it's bad. But maybe it's a dude thing. Do girls, girls, raise your hand if you like fire if you're a girl. Yeah, okay, maybe it's not just a good thing. Maybe everybody likes fire. Fire is just so cool to me, okay? I love watching it. And Moses is in the wilderness, and he sees something on fire, and he's like, I'll go check it out. So he wanders on over there to check out a burning bush. And when he gets there, he sees this bush, and it's on fire, and he notices the leaves aren't burning up. 
And he notices it's not shriveling up. It actually looks quite alive. And it's like, whoa, check this out. And he has no one to talk to. So maybe he's talking to a sheep like, yo, Frank, check this out. Maybe he named the sheep. And he's like, hey, check this out. And the sheep's like, meh. Or maybe he starts hearing voices because he's talking to the sheep. But I don't know. So he checks out this bush. And he's amazed at it. And then something incredible happens. Keep listening. It says here in verse 4, When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I am certainly I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers, and I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is in a land of flowing of milk and honey. Pause there for a second. So God is inside of this bush and begins to speak to Moses. Now, understand for a second, okay? God is not the bush, okay? Okay, God is not stuck in the bush. God is just using this bush to get the attention of Moses and to speak to Moses. And as he begins to speak, I love how he starts off and he says his name, Moses. He knows his name. Never miss the fact that God knows your name. God knows who you are. God made you. God knows every detail of your life. God knows your parents. God knows every single part of you, for he made you. Never miss that God knew the name of Moses, an obscure shepherd in the middle of nowhere who thought his life didn't matter, and yet God knew his name, and God knows your name. But God spoke his name and said, Moses, and he goes, here I am, Lord, what is it? And God speaks and says, Moses, I have seen my people, two million people in slavery. They are suffering. They are in pain. It has been hard to watch. And I have a plan to set them free. And Moses is like, this is awesome. I am so excited to hear your plan. What are you going to do? I mean, are you going to send down angels and be like, yo, let my people go? Like, how are you going to do this? Like, is it going to be like an angel tank army? Okay, are you going to like send, like, I I, I don't know, like some like king from another nation and he's going to show up with a, like, how are you going to do this? Okay, are you going to fly in with a dragon? Like, what is going to go down? I am so excited to hear your plan, okay? This is going to be great, okay? He goes, all right, check this out. You ready? Okay, here's my crazy plan that God came up with. Here's the plan, okay, ready? Okay, look, verse 9. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending you. Everybody say you. I am sending you to Pharaoh. You, everybody say you. You must lead my people out of Egypt. Plot twist. Okay, check this out. Here's the wild, crazy plan that God came up with. He is going to take a smelly shepherd who has ran and hid for his life because he is a coward, okay, in the wilderness and has been hanging out with sheep for many years alone who has nothing but a stick in his hand and a scraggly beard, And he's going to take that man who is going to wander in 
and face the most powerful military in the world, stand in a palace of gold and go, hey, bro, let my people go. I mean, literally, that's his plan, okay? And Moses, understandably, is like, you know, okay, this is a terrible plan, God, and here's why. And he literally tells God, here's the reasons, God, why your plan is terrible, okay? Number one, and he lists reasons telling God why his plan is terrible. And he starts off, number one, this is the first thing he says to God. He doesn't go, great plan, God, how can I get started? Which way is Egypt? How do I get, he doesn't say those, okay? Here's the first thing he says to God, okay? Basically saying, God, this is a terrible plan. Verse 11, okay? But Moses protested to God, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? The next thing he says is, Who am I to lead the people out of Egypt? First thing he says is, God, okay, check us out. Okay. Great plan to free the people, okay? Only problem is, you picked me, okay? So here's the deal. If I walk in before Pharaoh, first off, how am I going to get there? Okay, I'm going to walk in and be like, excuse me, can I see Pharaoh? They'll be like, excuse me, no, we're going to kill you, okay? Even if I get to Pharaoh, they'll be like, hey, aren't you the guy that murdered somebody? And I'll be like, oh, yes, oh, don't kill me. And then they will kill me, okay? Secondly, if I say, let your people go, they'll be like, no, <laughs> bro. And then they will probably kill me, okay? Secondly, like, even if, like, let's just say Pharaoh is maybe just um, sick, for some reason, and is like, oh, I'm so sick. Just let the people go. I don't want to deal with this. And lets them go for some reason. Then they all leave their homes, find me in the wilderness, and go, hey, shepherd, lead us. I don't know how to lead them. I don't know where we're going, okay? I don't know how to lead people, okay? So that's a problem, God. So even if for some reason Pharaoh lets the people go, I don't know where to lead them or how to lead them. I don't have any ex- experience. I mean, these sheep follow me, but they're, they're animals, okay? And they have to, because I just hit them with a stick if they don't, okay? And they can't talk, okay? They can't. So it's kind of easy to lead sheep, because I just go, hey, water. And they go, water? And they just kind of go over to water, okay? And they just kind of wander around. It's pretty easy to do that. So people are a little bit harder, because they talk. So it's harder to, to do it when they talk back. So, you know, I just, I don't know if you got the right guy, God. And he keeps going. Check this out. Has another excuse he has. He goes, God... On this mission, there might be talking. I'm not good at talking, okay? That's a problem. Moses reveals something to God that's kind of personal. He goes, God, in case you didn't know, I have a speech problem. Moses actually had a speech impediment. Moses had a problem with speaking. We don't know if it was a lisp. We don't know if it was a problem where he stuttered a little bit. But Moses had a speech problem where he struggled to speak in front of people. He's like, God, I don't know if you know this about me, but I have weaknesses. I have problems, okay? And if I have problems speaking, how will I speak in front of Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world? How will I speak in front of thousands, millions of people if I can't even hold a conversation without sounding a little funny? I'm not fit for this job. Pick somebody who sounds really good. Pick somebody who's a great speaker, passionate, not somebody who stutters a little bit. I'm not right for this job. Pick somebody else. He literally gets to the point where he says that. Chapter 4, verse 13. Turn there, if you will. Look at what he says. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please 
send anyone else. He doesn't say send someone else. He's like, God, send anyone else. God, is there anyone? Is there a 12-year-old that is free on a Friday night that can go and talk to Pharaoh instead? Okay, is there anyone? Steve, my sheep, is he free? Like, he's got nothing going on. Steve's like, huh? Like, Steve's like, uh, Steve can go. Like, is there anyone else who can go and talk to Pharaoh and say to me, because God, I can't do it, okay? You're asking me to do something, and it doesn't seem fair, because I can't do what you want me to do. What you're asking me to do is scary. God, what you want me to do is, is too big. It's, it's too much. Why would you ask me to do that, God? Don't you know me? Don't you know I have a speech impediment? Don't you know I'm just a shepherd? Don't you know I'm, I'm literally out here in the wilderness hiding because I don't want to see people? Don't you know I ran away from my problems so I wouldn't have to see them anymore? Don't you know I tried to free my people and all I did was, was beat up one person and then run away and hide? Don't you know I'm a failure and I'm sitting here with a bunch of sheep because I can't even talk to people without sounding like a fool? Don't you know, God, that anyone else in this world will be better than this than me? So why are you coming to me with this problem? Go find somebody else, God. Why'd you pick me? Moses reached a point in his life where he was so low, so low, He was focusing on all of his weaknesses, focusing on all of his fear, crippled by so many obstacles and problems in front of him that he could not focus on what God wanted him to do. It's sad, really, but but have you ever been there? Have you ever been there? Have you ever been asked to do something and you look at yourself and go, I can't do that. I can't do that. And you look at your own strengths and you go, no, 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 I'm, I'm not talented enough to do that. No, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not brave enough to do that. No, that's, that's not me. I'm not the brave type, right? No, I'm, I'm not a leader. See, no, no, no. Other people, they're, they're leaders. They're born that way, right? They're born a leader. No, no, I'm not born a leader, so I, I can't lead people. No, I, I can't do public speaking. That's not me, okay? Other people, they're good at speaking in front of people. That's not, that's not me. I can't, I can't do that. That's just not my gifting, right? Other people, they're going to change the world. They're going to they're gonna be the world changers, okay? But that's not me. I'm the one who sits here quietly, and I just do my thing over here and, and try to be alone and try not to bother anybody. That's, that's my job is to to be out of the way, to hide in the wilderness and try to just get out of the way. That's my role. That's what God called me to do, is to be quiet and just stay out of the way. Now, don't miss what I'm saying here. We all have different personalities. Some people are naturally loud. Some people are too loud, probably me. But some people are louder and some people are quieter, and that's fine, and that's a beautiful thing. But, But here's the difference. Here's the problem. Some of you have bought the lie that God wants for you. And God has planned for you nothing great, nothing brave, nothing bold. 
Because you've looked at yourself and you said, I have nothing of worth. And that is a lie. That's a lie. And Satan loves that lie. Let's keep going with the story here. Every time that Moses would bring up an excuse where he'd say, I'm not good enough. I don't have what it takes. I'm not able. Here's what God's answer would be. I. He, he would put the focus on himself. He wouldn't say, no, Moses, you really are strong. God's like, well, actually, you know, you got some work to do. Actually, you know what? If you tried alone, you couldn't do it. But here's the deal, Moses, okay? You're not alone. You're not alone. God doesn't say, hey, go fight this army alone. I'm going to be over here. Good luck. Oh, that guy's dead. He doesn't do that, okay? Here's what he says is, okay, we're going to go and do this together. Let's go together. He says, together, we're going to do this. When Moses says, God, I can't speak because I have these problems with words, God says, I will help you. I created words, okay? I am going to give you the words to speak when you're nervous. But God, I'm afraid. I'm nervous. I will give you the courage. I will give you the strength to be bold. When Moses is like, but God, I don't know where to go. How do I lead people? I will help you to lead people. I will tell you where to go and what to do. You just follow me. Trust me. Don't trust yourself. If you trust in yourself, you truly will fail. But if you trust in me, you'll know what to do. See, this is where we make our mistakes. If you trust in yourself, you should have doubts. If you look to yourself for strength, you should have fear. But if you look to God, if you lean on Him, there should be no fear. There should be no fear. The last thing that God tells Moses is this. I will be with you. I will be with you. One of the names of God is Emmanuel. Everybody say Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. God with us. And this is one of the most encouraging things God can say to Moses is, I will be with you wherever you go. Whatever you go through, I will be beside you. With you always. Let me tell you a secret that Satan does not want you to hear. Okay, you ready for this? I'll tell you a secret. Satan does not want you to hear this. And he's going to be really angry I'm telling you this right now, okay? So I, I hate to do this. Actually, I don't hate to do this to Satan. I'm actually kind of excited to tell you this right now. Ready? Okay. Satan is so angry. I'm about to tell you this, okay? There's this, like, thing where, like, Hollywood wants you to be afraid of Satan where it's like, oh, he's got the horns and he's got the little pitchfork and like be afraid of Satan. But here's the truth. Okay, ready? Satan is terrified of you. Yeah. No, I'm not, I'm not even kidding. Okay, I'm not uh, kidding. Satan is afraid of you. And you're like, nah, Satan's that's you're, you're doubting me, okay? Check this out. Satan is afraid of you. And here's why. He's not afraid of you in and of yourself. He is afraid of the God that lives inside of you and what you can accomplish, what you can do if you follow God. 
Let me explain, okay? Satan wants to tell you lies. And he wants you to believe, you can't change your school. You can't be a leader for Jesus. You can't share about Jesus Christ to your friends. You can't share a devotion. You can't start a Bible study. You can't change the world for Jesus. And he wants you to buy into that lie so that you won't change the world because he is afraid of what you could accomplish. He's terrified of the light that you carry. And if he can cause you to believe that you can't do anything, you will sit down and you won't pick up the fight. If there's a soldier in a fight and the enemy can get that soldier to sit down and just be like, oh, cool, Game Boy, pick up the Game Boy and play Game Boy, okay? Like, oh, Minecraft, cool. I'm going to play Minecraft while there's a battle going on. They'll be like, great. It's as if that, fight, bat, that fighter isn't even fighting in the battle as if we kill them. Here's the truth. Satan cannot kill you. He cannot take you out of the fight. But here's what he can do. He can distract you. He can make you think that you are not worthy of this fight. But the truth is, with Jesus, you can accomplish incredible things. But he wants to lie to you. Do not believe him. He'll tell you things like this. I remember I was in an FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, at a school. This was a couple years ago. And there was probably about six or seven kids on leadership. And I saw a lie enter all of their eyes at the exact same time. I was talking to all of them, and I go, hey, guys, so I want each of you to share a devotion. I want you guys to share a devotion to the entire club. Okay, I want you guys to stand up in front of everybody. I want you to share a devotion in front of your peers. Basically, you have to stand up and you have to share for like five minutes and be like, hey, here's the Bible verse and here's what it means and just like share a little bit of teaching. And I go, who wants to go first? And I saw every eye was looking at me at first and then every eye went and just stared at the ground. Okay, it was as if like every eye was like magnetically like drawn like and then they were staring at the ground so hard it was like they were trying to burn a hole in the ground with heat ray vision like and they were not even looking at me. I'm like, guys, like who wants to go first? And they're all like just staring at the ground. I'm like, no, no, what's wrong, guys? And they're like, I don't, I don't know. I'm not really a teacher. I'm not really, I don't really know how to talk in front of people. I'm like, you're talking to me right now. You're doing it right now. Like you can, you can do this. But every one of them had believed the lie. They couldn't do it. Every one of them. Afterwards, one of the guys came up to me and he's like, Hey, um, I feel like God wants me to do this. I just don't know if I can. And I look at him and I go, You, you, look, look, look. And he's like, And they go, You can do this. Because God is in you. God can do this through you. And he goes, Okay. He was nervous, he was scared, but the next week he got up and he shared the devil and he did a great job. And then after that, one of the middle school girls came up and was like, I want to do devo next week. She was like terrified to say it and I'm like, great, do it. And she goes, okay, next week she comes, she gave an amazing devo. It was fantastic, I was so proud of her. And by the end of the year, every person on the leadership team gave a devotion. So there was this lie the first time I said, hey, who wants to do Devo? Every one of them believed I could never do that. Because Satan was afraid of what they had to share. Satan was afraid of the courage and the words that they had to share. And he wanted to shut their mouths. 
But God said, no, I have beautiful things to speak out of their mouths. I have words of wisdom to speak out of their mouths. When there's a conversation going on between you and a friend, and you want to talk about Jesus, but there's this fear being spoken over you, and you're afraid to speak, that is Satan trying to shut you up, because he is afraid of what would happen if you spoke up. When there is a bully that needs to be confronted at your school, and there's this fear, and you're like, no, no, I'm not the courageous type. That is fear speaking. That is not the Spirit of God speaking. There is a voice speaking from a bush, the Holy Spirit speaking from within you, saying, speak up. I have commanded you. I have made you and empowered you to be the one that carries light. Now speak. I will give you the words. Be bold. I have not created you to be weak. I've created you to be strong. Not because the strength lies within you, because it lies within me, and I rest within you. I'm not saying it's easy. I know it's hard. But there is no challenge that rests before you that you cannot overcome. Because Emmanuel, God, is with you. Let me come back to that. Okay, check this out. This is, this is probably one of the things I get really, really, really excited about. Okay, I was, I was reading a couple months ago. I was reading through Isaiah, and it was talking about the battle cries of Israel. This makes me really excited, so if I start hopping, just bear with me. I'm being Ben Corson, but check this out, okay? So while the Israelites would line up for battle, they would line up on one hilltop, and the enemy, there'd be a valley in the middle where they'd actually have their battle, and then there'd be a hill on the other side where the enemy would line up their army, okay? And they'd line up the Israelites with their shields and their spears, and the enemy would cry out a battle cry. It'd be a mantra. Maybe it'd be like, we are going to kill you and you're going to die, blah. I don't know what it would be, but they'd yell out some battle cry, okay? Some battle cry. And then the Israelites would call out their battle cry. And one of the battle cries of the Israelites was this, Emmanuel. I love that. It makes me really happy. Emmanuel. Okay, I need everybody to say it with me on three. One, two, three. Emmanuel. What was that? I like that. At the end. Okay, one more time. One, two, three. Emmanuel. Okay, check this out. Here's what Emmanuel means, as I said. It means God is with us. So the Israelites would line up for battle. They would face their enemy. And sometimes they'd face an enemy that had two, three times more men than them. Had chariots when they had none. Had horses when they had none. And they would face this enemy. And their battle cry to their enemy was this. It wasn't, we're stronger. Or it wasn't like, we have more men. It was this. It was Emmanuel. We have God with us. You can have all the chariots you want. You can have all the men that you want. You can have all the battle plans you want. It doesn't matter. If you have giants on your side, tanks on your side, whatever. We have Emmanuel. God is with us. God is on our side. And if there is one man on our side or a thousand, it matters not. Because God is with us. And I heard that and I'm like, oh yeah. That makes me really excited. So here's what I started doing, okay? Every time after that, when there was any fear in me, or any time a challenge came in front of me, I started saying this under my breath to myself, Emmanuel. When you have to go somewhere and you're afraid to step foot in that place, say Emmanuel. And know that God is with you. And though you have to enter into this place, maybe it's you have to go to the drama department of your school, and you know in that drama class there's a bully waiting for you. 
or girls that gossip or whatever it is, and you know it's a scary place, say to yourself, Emmanuel, though I go in there, I go with God and he goes with me. Just as Moses went into the throne room of Pharaoh, he went with God and God was with him and he went with strength and courage. If you have to go up and you have to speak in front of the class, say, Emmanuel, though I stand here, I stand strong because I stand with God and he is with me. Someone in your family who you love is sick, Emmanuel, God is with me, though I cry, though I weep, though I am in pain, my God is beside me and he will never leave me and he will never forsake me. Whatever your hardship, whatever your obstacle, whatever your enemy, be it Satan and an army of demons before you, be it a bully, be it adversity, be it depression, be it a dream that you cannot feel like you can accomplish, whatever stands in front of you, Emmanuel stands beside you. God is with you, and if you remember that, you will always overcome it. Please, never, ever doubt God. Notice I didn't say doubt yourself, because here's the truth. If Moses looked to himself, he always crumbled when he looked to himself. He's like, but I have this problem, and I have this weakness, and I have... He crumbled, but when he said, but I have Emmanuel, if God is with me, I can stand before Pharaoh. If God is with me, I can free these slaves from captivity. If God is with me, I can part a Red Sea. I can overcome any obstacle. And I don't know what it is, but for some reason, middle schoolers doubt themselves more than anyone else. Maybe it's because you're young. Maybe it's because you're figuring out who you are. I don't know why, but, but for some reason, you guys seem to doubt yourself. And I hate it. Because I see so much hope in you. So much of a future in you. And God sees it too, for God made you who you are. With every ounce of strength and every ounce of weakness, you were perfected to the standard that God created you to be. So why doubt that God has a purpose for you? If God made you, if you have breath in your lungs that you have work to still be done, if you're still breathing and your heart's still beating, then there's still a reason for you to be on this earth and God still wants you to do something. Why sit in the fields with sheep when you could be in the throne room of Pharaoh freeing the slaves. Why settle for living in fear when you could live in courage? If you keep focusing on your weaknesses and you keep focusing on your fears, you will remain in the shadows. But if you embrace that God is with you and you remember that he made you for a purpose, you will stand tall and walk tall. And you will remember, I stand before Pharaoh And before my problems, with my head high, because God brought me these problems, and he will help me to overcome them by his strength and not my own. And I have Emmanuel beside me, and nothing will stand before me. I believe that in this room, there is greatness. Because God is in this room, and in each and every one of your hearts. And he didn't make you to do normal things. He made you to do extraordinary things. Please don't miss that. Please change the world. Please change the lives of every person you touch. And don't miss it. Let's pray.
Father God, you are Emmanuel, God with us. And might we never go a day without remembering that. Might we walk boldly and courageously. Just as Moses still had hardship and still had times of pain set before him, even though he chose to follow God. I pray for the days ahead of us where we still might have doubt and still might have fear, that we might remember you're beside us and might you carry us through those. That we might not lean on our own strength, but lean on yours. And that you might provide. You are truly a good Father. And we ask that you would provide each and every day for us. Providing for us the strength that we need. You are so good to us. And we love you. So in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. And everyone said... Amen.